0: Hey guys, welcome to For the Joy, a podcast seeking to inspire and encourage Christ followers as they engage the world with the gospel. I'm Nathan Garrett, your host, and thanks for joining. I am looking for someone to share in an adventure that I'm arranging, and it's very difficult to find anyone. I should think so, in these parts. We are plain quiet folk and have no use for adventures. Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things make you late for dinner. A conversation between Gandalf and Bilbo Baggins in The Hobbit. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Real quick, I just wanted to make sure that you all know that you can listen to For the Joy on just about any podcast platform. I know for me it's much easier to listen to an app on my phone than than going to a website on my computer. Also, if you want to get an automatic update when there is a new episode available... You can simply subscribe to the podcast. It just makes things simple. Anyways, as I record on this beautiful day in May, I love getting to see all the flowers blooming, the green grass growing, and hear the birds singing. And for me, whenever I see green grass, my mind immediately takes a journey to the land of hobbits. First of all, I want to say that if you haven't read The Hobbit, please just hit the pause button and find a way to get a copy right away, because It is such a good story. Uh, Tolkien is a master in storytelling, uh, and the tale of the Hobbit is such a captivating one. Uh, For me, I've grown to love the Hobbit even more as I've become a missionary. uh, I view myself as a Hobbit and flatter myself in thinking that I'm a lot like Bilbo Baggins, one of the main protagonists in the book. So this episode is called There and Perhaps Not Back Again, A Hobbit's Tale Regarding Missions. So first up, there is the Unexpected Beginning. At the beginning of The Hobbit, we become acquainted with this Mr. Bilbo Baggins, and I'll read a short excerpt from the book. This hobbit was a very well-to-do hobbit, and his name was Baggins. The Bagginses had lived in the neighborhood of the hill for time out of mind, and people considered them very respectable, not only because most of them were rich, but also because they never had any adventures or did anything unexpected. You could tell what a Baggins would say on any question without the bother of asking him. This is a story of how a Baggins had an adventure and found himself doing and saying things altogether unexpected. He may have lost the neighbor's respect, but he gained, well, you will see whether he gained anything in the end. So I was born in Colorado, but uh, moved to Texas when I was nearly 10 years old. I can't tell you when exactly it happened, but I eventually fell in love with the Dallas Fort Worth area. Though I would have loved the beauty of Colorado, it's not that great in Texas, but it became my home. And I envisioned myself living in the same town for the rest of my life. I was content with my situation, and loved being close to both my parents and my in-laws. Plus, there are so many good restaurants within a short driving distance. I mean, why mess up a good thing? But despite our best intentions, Bilbo and I were faced with a compelling call. For Bilbo, it came from an old and wise wizard named Gandalf. For me, it came from an undeniable stirring in my heart as a missionary spoke at my church. Our calls were very similar if you know The Hobbit very well. You see, Gandalf didn't really give Bilbo a choice. It was more like when you're standing near a pool or a cliff by the sea and someone pushes you. There's a chance you could stay dry, but only if you could defy gravity. You remember the story of Jonah, after all. God called him to go somewhere, he tried to resist, so God had a large fish swallow him whole and then eventually spit him out, so yeah, then eventually Jonah obeyed. He realized he couldn't run from God. Now for me, when I faced the call, I was actually kind of excited, but I was very naive, and had I known how hard everything would be, I might have been tempted to react just like Jonah. But you know what? In my experience, a clear call will keep you on the field when nothing else will. All the hoops you have to jump through before you actually get to the field are challenging, but it's really nothing compared to the moment you're thousands of miles away from anyone you know, and you can't even speak five words in this new language. For me, I was literally finding myself becoming jealous of three-year-olds because they could speak more than I could. But what we didn't see was that every prayer we prayed asking God to get us to Romania, every phone call we made to schedule meetings with the people to ask if they would be gospel partners with us, every training we went through, they were all part of God's plan to grow our dependence on him and also to get really and truly invested in what we were doing. God didn't lead the Israelites out of Egypt by going the shortest way because he didn't want them returning to Egypt when there was war or other forms of adversity. So it was the same with us. I guarantee you that every missionary has at one time or a thousand questioned whether he should just give up and go home. But when you can look back and see how God has worked to get you to your respective field, when you can see how he provided what you needed every step of the way, that's when you can say, you know what, I was meant to be here, and until God calls me home, I'm gonna stay. One of the things that's hard about missions is letting go of a lot of your personal possessions, whether it be cars, furniture, kitchen appliances. For me, as well as for Bilbo, this also meant saying goodbye to a lot of good food. We do have a couple McDonald's, uh, KFCs, and uh, a Pizza Hut. And there's some good shawarma and a fair decent burger place, but it's near impossible to get a good steak, or it's absolutely impossible to get good Mexican food. Fortunately for me. My wife is an amazing cook, and she is always finding new recipes and killing it in the kitchen, so I have it much better than Bilbo did. But anyways, one thing we see mentioned many times sprinkled throughout The Hobbit is something about Bilbo missing the comforts of home. For him, it was mostly his comfy chair, books, and a good cup of tea by the fire. For me and my wife, I think we'd probably have to say the comforts we miss the most are family, friends, and our church. Though I would probably add Chick-fil-A and a few other restaurants in there. Bilbo did give these things up, and his reason was to experience a bit of an adventure to help the dwarves. But for us, I would like to say the same thing that the author of Hebrews said of Moses in Hebrews 11.26, that he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. I must confess, I was excited about the fact that we would be living in Europe, though the romance of that died off pretty quickly. But throughout the first chapter of The Hobbit, you can see that Bilbo has an internal struggle with himself. His mother was of the Took family, and it was said that one of the Tukes must have taken a fairy wife, for they were a bit different than the rest of the Hobbits, and every once in a while a member of the Took family would embark on an adventure, much to the chagrin of the rest of the Hobbiton. It was the Took blood in Bilbo that had him even a bit interested in the quest that Gandalf had volunteered him for. It was also the Took blood that exposed him to a whole new world. His whole life, which, by the way, it's interesting that Bilbo is about 50 years old when he experienced his first adventure, so it's never too late. But yes, his whole life he had lived in the same place, in the same culture, with the same people. But from the start, even before Bilbo left on his adventure, he was confronted with a new culture. The dwarfs were very different people, with very different ideas of how you should behave as guests. They had their own history and traditions, and just because they were different didn't mean that they were wrong. Again, I wish that I could have been like Bilbo living my whole life in the beautiful city of Keller, Texas. But I will say that when you venture outside of your comfort zone you do get to learn some fascinating things regarding your own preconceived notions about what the rest of the world is like. It was very humbling to learn that the way you've done things your entire life is not the only way, nor is it always the best way. I began to realize that there are many things that I say and do because I was just raised in America and I had no idea why. As I got frustrated with learning a new language and thinking that things don't make sense, I saw that it's the same with English. Here are a couple examples. In English, I would say, Tomorrow I will take a test. But Romanians say that they will give a test. For me, that's weird. It feels like the teachers are the one that give the test. But really, to say we take a test doesn't make any sense either. I mean, where do we take it? Or are we thieves because we take something from our teacher? See, it's kind of weird. Same thing with baths or showers. In the States, we take baths or showers. But I don't think any of us are strong enough to take the bath or shower anywhere. And... Romanians, they do baths or showers. That actually makes a little more sense. Hobbiton and Keller, Texas were also relatively safe places to live. But shortly after leaving his home, Bilbo came across trolls, goblins, and orcs. These dangerous creatures weren't very far from his own town, but they were only characters and stories to him. He had to venture out into the unknown in order to see them become a reality. Now I want to be clear, especially to my parents, Romania is a very safe place. In fact. I often feel safer here than in the States. But the spiritual climate is a different story. I mean, the reason that missionaries go to certain places is, is that those respective places need God. Ergo, they're going to be oppressive and dark places spiritually. I mean, for us, we can often see the burden of sin in a person's frowning face, or as they can hardly walk because of how bent over they are after working for decades in fields with no attention to posture. Again, these places have been saturated with the presence of darkness long before we got here. It's only because we're here that we can really understand how the darkness can affect a whole culture. In Romania, Nicolae Ceausescu, the communist leader and president, really did a number on the Romanian people with his self-ambitious plans. For a while now, the Romanian people have lost their identity. And it makes me think about Smaug, the dragon and the hobbit. Smaug the Terrible had come with fire and fury, forcing the dwarves out of the mountain, causing them to become, in essence, refugees. Smaug was greedy and only cared about gold and jewels so Ceausescu could be compared to a dragon often working for his own selfish interests. As Bilba worked hard to help the dwarves win back their home, our hope is to help Romanians to get back to a place where they can find joy in a relationship with Christ. The Orthodox Church is, unfortunately, often run by priests who simply view their position as a job and not as a way to lead people to God. For many Romanians, religion is just another term for a tradition, and it really only affects them during Christmas and Easter. For me and my team... We have a daunting task ahead of us. We long to persuade the people here that there is joy and hope and peace in this world and that it is all found in Christ. That following Christ does not mean giving up our happiness, but that lasting happiness only comes from a sweet and intimate relationship with our gracious God. As C.S. Lewis says in his essay, The Weight of Glory, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. And as the psalmist says, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. We can see that the people here have a longing But they're seeking water in broken cisterns and broken wells. But it's not easy to convince those living in darkness to seek the light. So often, we question ourselves with, are we doing enough? Is it even possible to bring about change here? And this is one of the reasons I love reading books like The Hobbit. Neil Gaiman, in his book Coraline, accidentally misquoted GK Chesterton, but actually I like his words better. He said, fairy tales are more than true, not because they tell us that dragons exist but because they tell us that dragons can be beaten. When I read a story about a small, simple hobbit going against all odds to help defeat a dragon, it gives me hope and a push to carry on and keep going. The Hobbit also shows some very important truths. First of all, you can't do anything by yourself. Bilbo, Gandalf, and the Dwarfs worked together to complete their task, and they also had help many times from others. There was a collaboration of people from different places, different cultures that helped in bringing that dragon down. And so it is with missions. God has made it abundantly clear that we can't endure our mission alone. We face many dragons here on the field. Their names are discouragement, loneliness, and doubt. But just as Bard shot down Smog with a black arrow, I know without a shadow of a doubt that the prayers of our partners have slayed many a dragon at just the right moment. We would literally not last a day without the prayers and support of our family, friends, and partners back home. So thank you so much for engaging in this battle with us we truly couldn't do it without you. Your prayers and our presence here make a deadly combination in combating the schemes of the enemy. Another truth that we're confronted with is that it is a sad and unfortunate thing when we let small matters get in the way of our unity in the mission. In The Hobbit, there's kind of a rift between the dwarves and the elves. Both parties are partly at fault. But the one thing that's clear is that if they had simply chosen to work together, things would have gone much better. Sadly, even in ministry, there's conflict that brings disunity, distrust, and distraction that harms the mission. Often when we're in a situation, it can be difficult to see the forest for the trees. But if we read about a conflict in The Hobbit, perhaps it will allow us to see how silly and stupid it is for us to be in conflict with those on our side. Whether it be disagreements in parenting, politics, or personal preferences, I love that alliteration, We must be diligent to remind ourselves that what truly matters is the message we are bringing to the people we serve. And if they see us, the missionaries, church leaders, ministry partners, and we are in conflict with each other, that will cause others to not want anything to do with the message of the gospel that we proclaim. Fortunately, near the end of The Hobbit in the Battle of the Five Armies, the elves, dwarves, and men resolve their issues as they discover the true enemy, the goblins and wolves. We must strive for unity among believers and always remember that we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, and that we are the aroma of Christ. May we not be found leaving behind the rotten odor of self, but the beautiful fragrance of our Savior. At the end of The Hobbit, Bilbo does get to return back to his home. As he approaches his beloved Hobbiton, he suddenly begins spouting out some poetry. Gandalf looks at him and says, My dear Bilbo, something is the matter with you. You are not the hobbit that you were. Though this is just a brief and sort of out-of-place statement, I believe that it should be considered an important aspect of life. Namely, that our life experiences, especially the difficult or painful ones, change and form us. Bilbo's adventures only lasted about a year, but yet his whole life was different because of it. For those of us in missions, the length of service is never guaranteed. We have our plans, but as we can all attest to now with the coronavirus our plans pretty much mean absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. For some, missions means one to two weeks, for others, one to two years, and still others, it's long-term or even career. Whatever the length of your missions' adventures, my prayer would be that we would all be changed for the better and that the adventures we experience would cause us to be closer to God and more full of love and compassion on others. Well, that's all I have for today. Uh, I really hope that this episode was encouraging And that even though these are kind of my personal takeaways from The Hobbit relating to the adventure that I'm on, that it would cause you to take refuge and find strength for immersing yourselves in good books, good stories. And finally, when you find yourself face-to-face with the dragons of life for ministry, that you would consider yourself a protagonist in a story, because you are, and that you would find courage to overcome by looking back on all that God has done, and then meditating on what we have to look forward to. Then we can persevere through our challenges knowing that we are living for the joy. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.